gentlemen, welcome to Aaron and Ryan go to the movies. Uh, as always, it is your host, Ryan, as always, joined by Aaron. Hello, everybody. And this week, we're discussing Thor The Dark World in our MCU rewatch. Put a big sigh on that Ugh. for everybody who had to sit through it just like we did, just like I did today. I mean, I had nothing else better to do, but uh, uh, let me sigh on that right there. <laughs> well, I mean, besides it's, from work. It's, but... it's bad. It sucks. Um, good night. That's our time. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> you guys uh, are tuning in next week. Tune in next week where we'll watch a good movie. Um. <clears throat> What terrifies me is there is clearly a concept for a good movie in there. Yeah, and and taking it's like taking Thor to other worlds, talking about Bor and Odin not as these infallible people, but rulers that made mistakes like Thor did. Um, getting Natalie Portman more involved in the story. There are good elements here, and the the concept of a good story was here in taking him off earth for part of it and staying in you know asgard and going to the dark world and stuff there's good concepts but oh my god ah it doesn't like i mean there's a few bright spots for me so i mean i'm excited to talk about the few bright spots but for the most part honestly like for the first I feel like this maybe... episode could be 30 minutes of screaming I feel like, no, for reals, I feel like the first 40 minutes was so lackluster. Like, yeah. it didn't, like, the opening scene where they talk about the ether and, and its backstory, that was kind of cool, because, like, I like movies that do that, that set up that for something else, like, or for what's right. going to happen in the movie. But after that, it kind of just got flat. Like, it was yeah. really flat. Like, and... So the first, the opening scenes after the the story is, it's them imprisoning Loki. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and we learn, coming back from uh, coming back from the first Thor movie that Loki is not really Odin's son, but he takes him because he felt bad and wanted to raise him as his own, and. You know, so when you see the mother talking in the prison cell to Loki, he's just like, "You're not. He's not my father." You know, like, and it's one of those things. And I feel like I can make a meme out of that. You know, like this, like stupid memes, because <laughs> I have a stepdad, so I can just say yeah. dumb stuff like that to my mom or something. Like I'm waiting for that to happen. He's but not no, my real dad. Yeah, <laughs> but but it just was so like. Like, words can't describe how annoyed I was with this movie because it had so much ta – uh, not talent, but it had so much potential. And it just – it's saving grace were the parts I feel like I'm going to talk about. Okay, because I literally have, like, none. Like, I've gone through it. There are story elements I like. Like, the idea of taking him through to the Nine Realms, the idea of going to the Dark yeah. World, the idea of getting Jane Foster more involved, um, the idea of Thor being – more like an Asgardian king than people want to realize. Um, those type of things. But beyond that, I don't see a lot of redeeming factors in this movie. Oh, they didn't die Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth eyebrows again. There's another redeeming factor. <laughs> There's another good one. Um, let me think. So, one, okay, I mean, we can basically fast forward to where I feel like it starts to pick up, Good. to be honest. Cool. But let's I'm see. way okay let's with see. that. Let's see if we have the same. Where do you think it picks up at? Man, that's a really good question. Uh, probably the prison break scene. Okay, that's about where I started, too. The scene where the... Okay, mine's just before that. It's still in that same element, but where um, the dark elf walks out of the ship with that background music, I thought that was pretty cool. So that's when I finally got sucked in. Yeah. I was like, okay, now it's getting... Now I feel like it's going to get good. And then it's pretty sad because Thor's mom dies. So... Although... That's... If we want to talk about the story element turning point, the story element turning point is where Heimdall can't see Jane Foster anymore. 
Yeah, that's true. Which because happens uh, I mean, pretty right on the heels of kind of everything. I think I think that's my big problem with like the first half of this movie is the first thirty five or forty minutes are slow paced and then it just blows through the rest of the stuff. No, yeah, and and if this if the opening scenes up until Jane gets taken away or where Heimdall says he can't see Jane was maybe the first thirty minutes, I wouldn't have a problem with yeah. it. But it almost it almost drags into the first hour. I think it's like forty seven minutes. I think you're right. Yeah, because it's just so. Um, no, that's the thing where they find out that there's like another portal and their only enemies to take it down are like these 10 year olds it's like okay cool but it just it just it's it falls so flat to me like there's nothing yeah there's that was not so a good about that where i'm just like oh my gosh this is such a crucial moment yeah there's not a lot of first yeah. half although it is Chekhov's gun it sets up the final fight a little bit but um it just sucked it's, but it's not a good way to do it because you've clearly been like, yeah, they're clearly going to use that in the third act of this movie. Like, it's not even like subtle. <laughs> yeah. So it does. Yeah, because it it it's really um, bad foreshadowing. The first, the first, ba- the Battle of Asgard, which is also the Prison Break sequence. That's um, a good. That's a good sequence. I like. So really good, solid fifteen minutes. Although they steal a scene from the Avengers in it. Which part? When Heimdall jumps on the ship and blows it up with his dagger and then lands and oh, then it cuts away yeah. and it goes to all the ships coming in. It's the same thing with the um, Chitari worms coming through the portal after they kill the first one and like five more come through. Um, like, that was a pretty cool scene. I will say that. It was a really, really cool scene. I like I like the design of the Dark Elf ships, but like I'm like, yeah, you just did that in Avengers. Like, really? <laughs> And like, okay, so let's talk about that. So the fight scene happens. The dark elf comes from the the ship, which I thought was a cool scene. And then you see him approach um, Jane Foster because she's been, you know, entrapped yeah. with the ether, who's being protected currently by Thor's mom. And then, um, you know, Lord, she's you, go ahead. You learning that. Loki learned those tricks from Freya by showing instead of telling in that sequence is great character development for Loki. Yeah, it's a pretty, Loki. it's a pretty, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. And so that's one of the main parts I thought I thought was pretty cool. Where he's like, "You, what did he say? You trickster? Did he say you witch or something like that?" Yeah, he I says what you he witch. Says. He says you witch. There we go. So that was a pretty cool scene. Uh, let me see. And then, oh, I have written down, written down when Thor's mom died, Roten. and he. Who are you, Thor? Sorry, what I wrote down when Thor's mom died, and then he comes in and melts that dude's like half of his face off. Was pretty cool. Yes. By the way, I know, I know, this is part of Thor: The Dark World is considered by a lot of people one of the worst big gray villains Marvel's done. Christopher Eccleston is perfect as Malekith in this movie. Because he clearly doesn't care and is camping it up. Yeah, so like... It's a bright spot. I love when people just don't care and just go full camp mode. One of the few bright spots of the movie. One of the few bright spots of the movie. Although, I think their first choice was better. Who is it? Mads Mikkelsen. But he couldn't do it because Hannibal came along. Um, He was also in Doctor Strange and I think nailed that part better. So I feel like that's also a loss and a win at the same time. I mean, would it have changed the whole pace of the movie? No. I don't know. I think if you got Mads Mikkelsen in there delivering, like, the performance he did in Doctor Strange, they might have re-edited that movie in a different way. But that's the thing. That's, like, the what-if thing. So, I mean, I don't know. But I thought because they clearly, it was cool. Because they clearly edited clearly edited around Christopher Eccleston not giving a shit. So it kind of sucked because, I mean, they had to work with what they got from him. Yeah. Um, I And then another thing about this movie, I mean, the prison break scene was pretty cool. And then I like how they just don't burst out Loki, but I do like when Thor... So now we're going to... I feel like we skipped to when Thor needs Loki and he goes to break him 
No, 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 no. And no, no. against the window, but uh, no, okay. I think I think the next point is when he goes to Heimdall. It is like, what would you do if oh, somebody yeah, commits right. treason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it goes, who's treason? And he goes, mine. That's right. Because I remember now. Marvel screenwriters have this really, really bad habit. Especially make I think it was I think McNeely did this screenplay. Let me double let me double check real quick. Yeah, McFeely and Marcus did the screenplay. They have a really bad habit of repetition. So later on, Heimdall repeats that line at the end of that sequence. Yeah, to Odin, right? It's bo- so it's a screenwriter's trick called bookmarking. Um, where you start an ice sequence with something and then you end the sequence so people know there's a transition. So the start of the planning of the treason, Thor goes, won't hmm. you have to tell Odin if somebody commits treason? He goes, well, who's treason? Mine. And then at the end of the sequence, that whole sequence to bookend it, Heimdall's like, he's like, whose treason are you reporting? And Heimdall goes, mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a screenwriter's trick called bookending. And I think that whole sequence from those two moments is really, really good. No, you're right. And I, that, like we said, there's few bright spots in this movie and we're going right. to, I feel like highlight over them. Um, that being one of them. So another cool part, I mean, it wasn't a highlight, but I thought it was pretty cool when Loki, uh, when tr- Thor truly sees Loki and he's just thrashed his cell with everything, you know, and he's just sitting there like so defeated. I thought it was an interesting scene. Yeah, where he's like, "No, the real you." And yeah, it's, yeah, that's such a it's such a good scene. Because this whole time, scene. we're led to believe that it, he hasn't been like that, and he's been, you know, standing almighty at the glass window, like when, uh, especially during that prison break scene with everyone else but him. Yeah. But then you see Thor say the real Loki, and then you see that happen. That that caught me. I didn't see that. I thought that I thought that was a really good emotional moment for Loki too. <laughs> Because the last time he talked to Freya while she was alive, he was kind of like, no, that doesn't make you my mother. But you can tell that he clearly thought of her as his mother. Mm-hmm. And emotionally, it affected him on that level. And so when you see the transition, it's like, oh, he really does care sometimes. Like, yeah. it gives you just that faint glimmer of hope. You don't see that. I'm not going to spoil, but you don't see that from him in a movie for a long time in in Mm -hmm. in next coming movies i think i think you know what i'm talking about you don't see that so i kind of i kind of want to spoil it because i wouldn't that that (laughs) that is that moment in infinity war shows how omnipresent thanos is yeah because it's like how did he know what happened in thor the dark world he wasn't there (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. So I thought I thought that was a cool scene, yeah. and then another part where the uh, Captain America thing was really yeah. Funny that's too. what I was gonna say. Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. That was my next thing on my list. The part where you see Captain America. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a whole sequence they originally uh, planned out in the original rough draft of the story, where he was going to like talk through all of the characters really yeah where he was gonna do tony stark and captain america and bruce banner and i think those were the only i think there was one more and i can't remember who it was but yeah there that was cool. that was originally planned to be a much longer sequence and they kind of was like it, we're into the third act already we can't drag it with this right yeah so i, I mean, love cap i love cap showing up though i I felt like that would have been cool, though. I mean, it would have dragged, but it was still a pretty cool scene when I saw that. Unfortunately, it's only the second best Captain America Easter egg in the MCU. What's the first? The post-credit scene on Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. So, you wasted your time. God dang it. I hate you so much. I hated that so much. That was such a good... Did you really? No, I absolutely loved it. It was hilarious. The, so yeah, so we now we're at the part where him and Loki and Jane are on the the biggest ship, and it's just so funny. Like the <clears throat> another bright spot with Loki that he actually had was I feel like I thought you said you knew how to fly this thing. I'm pushing all the buttons. 
then he just smashes it and it works. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to that whole scene where they're just flying. He's he's like, and you pick the biggest ship possible to fly through Asgard. And then Loki's just, in my opinion, Loki's just being like a, a little brat little brother, making all these comments. And it finally, like, you see what we didn't see in the first movie of them being like actual brothers and, and not, a, you know what I'm trying to say? Like a scene where it actually shows them acting like brothers and yeah. they're kind of just not that we didn't have that in the first movie. And yep. then now we get that in this movie, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. So I like that. And so what, what, what's building up is, God, I can't believe this made more money than the original. Oh God. Sorry. As we're talking what about we it, that's dawning it, on me. What we what we finally get is Loki and Thor banter as brothers, and Loki right. being like the pesty little brother. And we finally mm-hmm. get that in this movie, which is the scene on the ship, which right. I thought was pretty funny. That's one of the and things then, the critics loved in this movie was the dynamic between Hemsworth and Hiddleston. They really thought they had got it. Well, yeah, they didn't get it in the first movie, yeah. so it's like, yeah. Although Loki, so, uh, I thought that was a pretty weird. cool scene. The first movie's weird like that, though. And then when um when uh when Thor throws him off the ship and you're like what the hell and you like you're wondering where he's going um but then you see you know Thor jump down as well with Jane and he had uh what's his name there waiting for him in like a smaller ship and the bigger ship was just distract that was pretty cool yeah Zachary Levi the first one of the one of the only actors to be in both <clears throat> cinematic universes that's Zachary Levi yeah as Fandral. <laughs> Yeah, it was Joshua Adams in the first movie, and he ended up getting the role of Prince Charming on that ABC show in between the movies and couldn't do it. Oh, wow. Which is funny, because in the first movie, Joshua Adams only got the part because Zachary Levi got Chuck before production started. Oh my gosh, that's it's so weird, like how these things happen. You it's know what really I mean? funny. So it's like, yeah, our first choice became available. Why wouldn't we do that? And it worked out. And you're yeah. right; he's in both universes, and he's great in the other universe. I really want to discuss that movie on on this at some point because it works. Anyway, it's a um, good movie. It's a good movie. So yeah, so now we're at the part where uh, they're on what? What's the place called again? I forget. The Dark World. It's no, the I forgot what it's called. Nifflir? Something like that. It's some weird something it's weird. One of the, it's technically not one of the nine realms, but it's also one of the nine realms. It's so weird. Like its name reminds me of Anaheim, I think. Because it looked like it was spelled like Anaheim. I don't know why. I feel like it was like that. But no, so you see Svartalime. S V A R T A L F H E I M. Maybe that's what it was. Svartalheim. Svartalheim. In Norse mythology, it is the realm of the Dark Elves. Which is who we're, the villains are, basically. Yes. So we, we get there, and then you see what you think you see is Loki betraying Thor. Mm-hmm. and gives cutting, up Jane cutting Foster. His, cutting his hand off. Yeah, and then you see uh, Loki offer Jane to the Dark Elves, but what's funny is they say he was in the prison, so he he is an enemy of the Asgardians, right. which is what they... What which is like... Which, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty smart. So I thought that was a pretty cool scene. By the way, um, completely random fact about that, somebody loses their left hand in every single phase two marvel movie really yep and you know why kevin feige did it intentionally why because in the second star wars movie empire strike back strikes back what happens to luke skywalker he loses his hand left hand yeah so they have some they even though some of them they grow back grow back in the first two yeah um, it being um, happening to um, the villain in Iron Man 3 and then Thor as a diversion in this movie, it does happen in every single Phase 2 movie. And we'll talk about that each time it happens. I, I definitely am watching for it now. <laughs> so yeah, so that, I mean, now we're at this part where we're about, mm, what, an hour 10 into the movie? 
Dude, we're like almost to the end of the movie. That climax this... is short. It's like is that movie from the time they arrive on the dark world to like the end of the movie is like twenty five or twenty six minutes. Because this movie's not two hours. It's like an hour fifty three, I think. With credits, it's two oh one. So yeah, so really, it's not even past two hours. Right. Which is insane because most Marvel movies are pretty lengthy. Well, it's not even two hours. It actually is an hour and 54 minutes. 53 yeah, minutes, you're right, yeah. So, so yeah, Wait, it's, that it's doesn't not include, that Wait, that doesn't include credits. Never mind, I'm going crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very short movie. Um. So, we have that scene on the Dark World where they pull the trick and stuff, but then Malekith gets the ether anyways... Which I think is an interesting story choice. Because, why? Because, like... I almost wouldn't have the bad guy succeeding. It's really, really weird to explain how I feel about that. But I almost feel like the Aether should have just been out of control or something. And have mm -hmm. the battle in Greenwich end up being over the Aether rather than battling Aether-induced Malekith. If that makes sense. A little bit, yeah. Um, Because it's like, cool. And then this doesn't even make sense contextually like two movies later when we find out what the Aether actually is. Oh no, we find out well, what it is at the end of this movie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't want to skip far ahead yet, but... Yeah, so it's a the big final. The final battle. Okay, that's why I, that. Okay, now it makes sense. I was trying to think if we thought if we found out in this movie, it makes no sense to give. And I'm going. I don't care. I'll just say what it is. They gave him the reality stone, and he doesn't use any of the reality bending powers to try and win the final fight. It doesn't because. By the way, fun fact: <clears throat> they didn't know what stone that was going to be when they made this movie. They did or didn't you say? Didn't. Okay, oh wow. Because I think in the comics, red is the power stone. I think so, that sounds about right. I need to look up the infinity colors again, because I only remember the ones from the movie now. And then, okay, so let's talk about what we skipped over in the first part of the movie. The bridge is fixed. Where the hell did that come up from? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, if yeah. they would have gave... Honestly, if they would have spent like... A minute explaining that, I would have been okay. Yep, power was red in the Marvel Legacy when they redid the storyline in 2016. It became purple. Oh, okay. Yep. That's interesting. Mm hmm. Yep. They changed the colors in the comics to match with the movie. So. Um. Oh, sorry, I was reading. Also, you can Storm. tell. Yeah, never mind. We'll get into that with Age of Ultron. Never mind. What were you gonna say? I was gonna, I was gonna say something, but we'll get into that when we watch Age of Ultron later. So um, yeah, we're back at the. We're back in Greenwich now, at the end of the Dark World sequence. So basically, they figure out that's where the attack's gonna happen. No, that's the dark where the convergence elves. is, and that's oh, the converge. Only, there we go. My bad. And that's Sorry. the only place he can use the aether to bend reality and destroy all nine realms. That's right. So they figure that out because Doctor Eric. Uh, oh, fast forward. We totally forgot a scene that was actually pretty funny, where Doctor Eric says, "You know, he says mm -hmm. his heist to Thor, and he goes, where's Loki?' And he's like, he's dead. Oh, good. Well, wait, I mean, wait. I'm sorry." <laughs> Yeah, he goes, wait, no, I'm sorry. And then it pan, and then it and then the pan out to the wide shot and Thor goes, Where are your pants? He says he thinks better without them. Yes. <laughs> and then when they're leaving, he goes, Let me he goes, I better put some pants on. Yeah. Because they figure out where um where it converges at, um, you're right. Also so... Also in that sequence when they walk into the house, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> hanging up Molnir on the coat rack was an improv. That was pretty, that's pretty, that's it is pretty funny. funny. Because, like, they make reference to it, and they definitely do in Thor Ragnarok, and we'll talk about it when they get to Ragnarok. Um, in the comic books, Thor has a identity, has a secret identity, and when he's in his secret identity, he carries around Mjolnir disguised as an umbrella. 
So I feel like it's not only him doing improv, but it's also him being like, yeah, you know, Walnir's an umbrella. I'm going to hang it up. That's funny. Right? Because I've always wondered if, like, people who, like, don't know Thor see it as an umbrella when he's wielding it on Earth. Because that'd be really funny. That would be. Oh, <clears throat> they also do something amazing in this movie that I can't believe they have not done more in the MCU that I need to talk about real quick. That I just remembered in the final fight in Greenwich. When they're telling everybody to run because of what's going on. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's Thor. <laughs> and they yeah, I didn't around. really think about and that. And they stick around. They don't do that a lot in the MCU. And I think they need to more. It's a really fun thing. Because these guys are... They're real-life superheroes. They're like rock stars in this universe. And they need to show that more. I mean, you don't really see that in another movie until, honestly, Infinity War when uh, when Thor shows back up in that fight. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, that's With just Ruffalo. like I mean, that's just like somebody's reaction, right? Yeah, it's not even like some yeah. normal reaction. Um, yeah. So. No, you do kind of get that in Homecoming too, or is it Far From Home? Where Peter's fighting those guys, and it's like run, and it's like no, and then he and then the guy shoots at Spider Man, and they start running. Is that Homecoming? I don't you think it's far from home. I think it's far from home. <clears throat> no, I know what you mean. So, yeah. which is not in our rewatch because it's not on Disney Plus yet. Well, good thing I have it on Amazon Prime, right? Um, I have a lot of problems with the final fight scene. Go ahead, name a couple. They're probably the same as mine. Thor doesn't actually win. Yeah, you're right. He does. He he gets. He's helped, but you're he right. Gets he doesn't lucky. win. Yeah. Um, Malekith has an infinity stone of reality and doesn't use any of its power. Because if he did, this movie ending would have been in the villain's favor, right? And kind of three, like, they reach peak convergence, and then he still fights four instead of just ending all life as we know it. Do you think... Now, here's the thing. Do you think the elves know what they have with the ether when they have it? Or do you think they not know? I mean, they covered the nine realms in eternal darkness for, like, de millennia until Boar killed them. So, probably. Okay, because I was going to say, because if he knew... Then, I mean, why didn't he use what he knew? He that's the thing. See, it's because that's frustrating. like... That's like the thing is like they... I don't know. The night, the, the dark elves and stuff are like... Uh, do uh, like honorable combat? If that makes sense? I mean, kind of. So like I have but a feeling a I have a feeling if he didn't know he needed to use it he wouldn't use it because they want to they want to fight honorably. I mean they have, like, that makes code. That makes kind of. sense. But they don't explain that it's in mythology, but they don't explain that at all in the movie. So then why would they use it? That's true. It just it doesn't make sense. So carry although, on with what you're the, saying. The ir the irony. The irony is one of the greatest action movie franchises of all time actually stole the code of conduct from the Dark Elves for their race. Which is? Predator. Really? Really. That's interesting. That is that is a true story. A predator, a predator will not attack or kill anything it knows that it can beat. It will only That's face crazy. it will only face a challenge. I did not know that. Yep. That is a pretty interesting thing. Yeah, so they, I mean. They kind of stole that, that from the Dark Elves. And, and other mythology, too. Um, yeah. There's a couple races in other mythologies that do the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it is interesting. Um, and also Thor, like, if we even want to say, like, Thor won, it's not Thor that wins. It's not, no. It's Jane Foster and Svelvig who get the win for Thor. So that's it's so weird to me. It's such a weird ending. Because it kind of comes out of left field. You know what I mean? 
It's so weird. It's like so weird. I don't I don't get it. I mean Although the fact that he ends up getting crushed by his own ship is pretty ironic and great. I mean it yeah. It's just when else do we see this in the MCU? Uh Age of Ultron? They don't really win. A bunch of people still die. True. And they get bailed well, out. And they get bailed out by technology they create. Yeah. So I, I don't. I kind of don't like that trend. I mean, th the problem is, is Phase Two, except for the movies we'll get to later when they didn't care about creative differences. Uh, phase 2 suffers from sequelitis in the fact that you know that the next movies they're setting up aren't the actual movies you care about. That they're setting okay. up Infinity War and Endgame. And so it kind of creates this storyline problem. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But in terms, in terms of, you know, the final fight scene, it just had a lot of flaws. And I feel like we... You pointed them out, and I can't disagree with any of them. Yeah, it all is very, very unsatisfying. Also, Thor kind of being at the end, like, you know what? This thing I wanted the last two movies to be king, I really don't want. Yeah, like, you see that, and, like, you're, like, excited because you see what you think is, oh, okay, no, here's the thing. Now, okay, so we're, we're now we're at the ending part, and you see what really happened, and now imagine if... Thor does say he wants to be the king. What happens? Because as we know, the movie ends and it he's talking to Odin. And he's he talking goes, to Odin. Thank you. And he says thank you to Thor when Thor leaves. As and because he went to go on. He turned Loki, uh, Odin turns into Loki. But and let's not forget what he lets him go do. And that is go be with. Um, yeah, Jane. Who's not, uh, around Foster, by, who's not around but, by Age of Ultron. But do you think the real Odin would have said that? No, because this whole time, the real Odin is talking down upon Jane Foster. Like, he's like, she's just immortal. Take her back. There's these things called no, doctors. No, I don't agree. You don't? I don't. I don't agree. I think Odin changed his mind when she held the ether for so long you think so yeah but here's the thing we'll never know we'll never know we'll never know because that wasn't really odin at the end yeah uh so a really really interesting fact odin was actually supposed to die in this movie not Freya. really really they were gonna what changed it um uh anthony hopkins agreed to two movies when they signed him for this one instead of being on a movie by movie contract Oh, okay. Um, which was a big part of it. Um, Natalie Portman only signed a one-movie deal uh, because she didn't like where her character was going, which I get. Um, and they went through four directors. But we supposedly she's back for Thor and Love, right? She is. She's back. She's signed for Thor and Love, Love and Thunder. Okay. Now, is it a one-year thing? It's a one-movie deal, yeah. Or, sorry, one movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's a one-movie deal. Okay. It might well, be too. Not... She might be back for the team up movie in that phase. Now I'm we have. Sure. Now we have to see if the villain who we think it is, how many movies he signs. By the on way, for. I'm also just gonna say this: Marvel made the biggest mistake in their battle versus the DC Cinematic Universe in Thor: The Dark World. Why? They let Patty Jenkins go direct Wonder Woman. <laughs> and honestly, Wonder Woman is great. Wonder Woman is a remake of Captain America the First Avenger. But not as good or probably on the same level. But it's a yeah, it's, it's literally like a plot point for plot point remake of Captain America the First Avenger. You sit you switch the genders of the yeah. people and then that's what you got. So let's go into the first post credit scene. Wait, which one's the first one? Where that's when we figure out it's the stone. Oh right, 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 right. So Sif, Sif, and that other dude go see the collector, who yeah. is Guillermo. Who's the guy? What's his name again? Um, 
Benicio del Toro. There we go. I'll say Guillermo. Yeah, Benicio. Whoa, my chair almost fell back. Uh, Benicio <laughs> del Toro. <laughs> you heard that crack. I heard the crack. Oh yeah, I was like, yeah, he's going, he's, he's going back. There's that no scared way my doesn't. stomach dropped right now. Um, Tune in next week so, where, goes, where uh, Aaron kills himself live on camera by falling out of a chair. <laughs> Uh, so you see Benicio, you're introduced into Benicio del Toro as the collector, yep. which from my recollection, he is in it for first, first time they introduced a new character in a, uh, like a character with a voice line in a, in a post-credit scene. I'm trying to think how many movies he's in. I don't count Thanos in the first, in the <sighs> Avengers cause he didn't say a line. Wait, which part? The post-credit scene. Because he doesn't say a lot, oh, okay. so I don't count it. I know, okay. But do you, you count this one for the collector? I do count this one for the collector because he did have a so line he's of in the he's in the total of I think three or four movies. Three, I think. Yeah. I think that's three. Sounds about right. So yeah, because he's, he, he's in this in the post credit scene, Guardians one and Infinity War. Although dead, I think. No, you see him alive. Well, how would you? I'm so confused. I need to re-see that movie again. Yeah. So okay. By the way, so Howard, now we're... Howard the Duck's been in more uh, Marvel movies than the Collector now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Guardians, so we... Guardians one, Guardians two, uh, Infinity War. He's in his box, and then he's and also the... no, he's in the End Game during the Battle of New York. He comes through the same portal that the um, uh, Ravagers do. Okay, so that's four. Yeah, Collector's only in three. <laughs> also, oh, I thought we talking about Howard the Duck. Yeah, Sorry. we are talking about Howard the Duck. He's been in more no, movies yeah, than Collector. Collector. He's been in more movies okay. than Collector. That's crazy. Oh, that's I know. right. You're yeah. right. I know what you're talking about. You're right. You're also, right. Also voiced by Seth Green. That's funny. Yep. Um. So they give him the ether. They give him the ether. And uh, I think they tried to pull the wool over our eyes a little bit here. Because he's like one down, six to go. Or five to go. Five Five to go. And you're like, oh, is he going to get the Infinity Stones? Like they just tried to leave that seed of doubt in our mind a little bit. Like maybe he's the bad guy. Because he was already announced for um, Guardians at that point. They had already cast him. So I was surprised when he sh- showed up in this movie. But then what was the point of having Thanos at the end of Avengers then? That he was a larger looming threat out there. Okay. That makes sense then. But yeah. But so then it only you... really lasts for like two movies. Because then... Do we even have two movies until Age of Ultron? check i don't know uh winter soldier guardians age of ultron so we only have one movie that happens on earth that actually affects age of ultron between us and age of ultron where we get the fine i'll do it myself by the <laughs> way how good is josh brolin he is great as thanos and he's great as cable let me just put that, that out there true. you're so dark are you from the dc universe <laughs> Or where, like, he paints them at, what does he have, the Goonies poster, like a Goonies reference? He has, uh, I think he gets choked at one point, he goes, I have a Goonies poster at home, will you sign it? I think that might be, I think that's in the deleted scenes, but it's really great. Um, I like oh, no, and then it was definitely distracting ourselves from talking about this movie anymore. Well, no, real quick, wasn't there, like, a Goonies mock-up of this movie poster? Yeah, there was, they did it, they did it. That's what it they, is, yeah. Well, they did a bunch of them. They did. I remember now. They did a bunch of them. Um, they did go. They did Ghost. The Ghost one with him and Cable might have been my favorite. The pottery scene. Yeah, I think I think Goonies is my favorite because it's interesting. By the way, second week we've sidetracked on the Deadpool. I love it. Because Deadpool one and two were so great. X Force um, is great. I think I think the second post credit scene because there's two parts to it in this movie. Might be my favorite joke in credit scene. Really? The giant, just giant frost worm just going down a street in downtown Greenwich. It's just, it's just funny. (laughs) 
It's like, oh, they can't get it under control? Great, cool. Um, <laughs> they actually deal with that worm on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Really? I think so. Or he's, they see that. him dead in, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's, an agent, he's dead in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or dies in Agents okay. of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't know that. Yeah. They spent like half a season cleaning up Thor's mess. <laughs> that was really funny, funny, actually. Um, overall, this movie's not good, but you can see the original story they were trying to tell with it. Um, it went through five writers, three of whom got screenplay credits, two of whom got story credits, and it went through four directors. So, so are we I surprised like, that what we got? No, not at all when a movie goes through that much trouble. Very rarely well, is it then. good. Well then. Um I think the best decision it kind of caused some chaos um in them wanting a director, but I feel like Kenneth Brana knew he couldn't direct a movie like this because he likes doing things physically. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like him bowing out was a really, really good decision. It's unfortunate they couldn't lock somebody in to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I got nothing. I don't either, because this movie is a pile, a big pile of dog shit. Idris Elba's cool it. in it. Oh yeah, Idris Elba's is great, but let's call it what it is. A big... Yeah steaming pile of dog doo-doo that we don't like. So. <laughs> oh, that explains it. What? I'm reading more about the production. Um, originally, Tom Hiddleston was not going to be in this movie. Why? They were not going to have Loki in this movie at all. That is a dumb line. Dumb, um, dumb. It was going to be more of a dark movie focused on the war between asgard and the dark elves but he was so popular in the avengers as the bad guy that they forced him into this movie which by the way i'm almost 90 percent sure that's probably why patty jenkins left you think so yeah i mean, it's, I mean can you imagine if we didn't get him in this movie the, yeah i think it would have been a better movie they spend way too much time focusing on his mental well-being in this movie he should have gotten the cameo telling people where to go in the prison break, and that should have been it. You think? Yep, 100%. Think about how much time they would have had to actually develop a villain in Jane Foster in this movie if that didn't happen. If all that stuff with Loki didn't happen. That's true. I mean, I feel like what we got with Loki was pretty cool. So I can't really argue there, but... I mean... What's the, what do we always say? We got what we got. Yep. Um, this is funny because of their in-universe heights, i.e. how tall the characters are supposed to be, they had to use a box and or a ramp in close-ups with Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman. Really? Really. Because she's like 5'7 in the movies, in-universe, her character is. Mm-hmm. Um... Also, uh, they had to shoot the scene where uh, Dr. Foster slaps Thor twice in that scene. They had to film that 37 times because Natalie Portman would not slap Chris Hemsworth for real. Really? Yeah, she kept, she kept pulling back. She didn't want to hurt him. I'm trying to find That's out if there's funny. any uh, thing That's in this pretty movie. Funny. Oh, wow, they actually filmed in Iceland. Iceland. Did they? For um, Svartalheim, which actually is what Iceland's name is, Svartalheim, in Old Norse. Okay. Which is cool. It also means home of the Dark Elves. So That is pretty cool. Yep. So, yeah, we really don't have anything because, like we said, this movie is just not that good. Yep. I mean, do you have any final thoughts on it? What's next week's movie? Uh, Winter Soldier. So, the first appearance of the Russo brothers. 
I fucking love The Winter Soldier. Such a good movie. So I might um, have to watch it the night before and the day of because I love that movie. So the TLDR thing, um, obviously, I think if you guys listen to this podcast, you probably follow me on Twitter so you know what's going on. But um, because of that, I've been re- I've been watching Community for the first time. And you can tell the Russo-directed episodes without even seeing the credits because they have such a good style. Mm-hmm. Also, they fill so many pop culture references and shots into the, their episodes. It's not even funny. Do you think we should, like, do a double down and do, like, a, a rewatch of a show for this? Possibly. But what show? I don't know. Because what is out there, I mean... Honestly, I'm I wouldn't want to do. I'm trying to think of a. Sh- you you know what would go well to like balance this out a little bit would be doing mm-hmm. Air, would be doing Arrowverse. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those. I've only, I've only seen Flash. I've seen I've seen all the Arrowverse. I don't really watch Flash. I normally watch like two or three episodes before the crossover to like understand things. Okay, I think I've watched the first two seasons of flash i was into it or a show that i really liked uh, i don't know if you've ever seen it but did you ever watch gotham i did not i fucked with gotham pretty heavy that That's might great. that might be the thing um howard stern and the talking heads are trending on twitter what year is it it's 2020 it's it's like 1998 let's be real what the hell is going on i, I don't i don't know um, any last comments on, on Thor? Oh, there's actually a rumor, um, pretty highly confirmed about Christian Bale's role in Thor Love and Thunder. Which is? He is actually playing Mephisto. Really? Really. And I know why. Why, Ryan? They're gonna do One More Day as the third Spider-Man movie. Which is what? Uh, when Peter Parker makes a deal with the devil so his aunt doesn't die, and then his aunt dies anyway, and he kills himself. You think so? Oh, yeah, that would screw Sony over so hard. (laughs) Because they have creative control over it. Sony only has, like, gets distribution money from it. They could screw them over so hard by introducing Mephisto. I don't think they'd do that, but... Yeah, they, um, by the way, interest, interesting thing people don't think about all the time. People are like, yo, Disney has all this money. Sony's offered them Spider-Man, like all the, spi- like all the IPs and stuff they have for like 5.5 or $6 billion. And it's like, you'll easily make money off of Spider-Man for the next 20 years. Like, why won't you do that? Mm-hmm. Because if Sony sells their movie, di- their movie division, which is traded separately on the Japanese stock market so they can. Mm-hmm. All the rights revert back to them for free. <laughs> oh God! It has a no forward sales clause in the contract for the Spider-Man movies. <clears throat> um, wow! So that that's that's why they haven't done that. I'd like to see Tom Holland play Spider-Man forever. To be honest with you, I'd be okay with that. Him growing up as Spider-Man would be pretty. Yeah, because yeah. he's pretty young still, right? He's like twenty-one. Yeah. Yep. Um. What? I mean, I think he's twenty three now. But um, the there's a lot of fun stuff. Um, so have you seen Spider uh, Into the Spider Verse? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Um, so the original post credit scene in that movie was going to be like the wires get crossed on the reality machine in terms of, like time travel. And they were going to do the Spider-Man meme of them pointing at each other. And it was going to be oh. Tobey Maguire, uh, Tom Holland, and uh, Andrew Garfield. Oh my god, that would have been great. Um, there was also a cut. They couldn't get. They couldn't make the schedules work. They were going to be a cut scene where um, uh, at the apartment, they were going to be like, oh my god, a spider. And it was going to be Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield poking his head around. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. To make fun of how many times it's been rebooted. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I feel bad if they'd have to do a fourth reboot because I don't feel like it could survive that. Just look at the Fantastic Four with two. 
I love I loved the new one up until a certain part. Then if you ended it right there, I'd be okay. Joshua Trank gave a really really good interview about that movie the other day. Did he? Yeah, like he what got happened? really honest about it. He's like, I shot too high. I asked for too high of a budget. I wanted to get the best actors instead of the best people to play the individual roles. And I made a lot of mistakes that made the studio not trust me early in the process. And was really, really honest with it and basically said, I made one or two mistakes. I had an argument with an actor who was the highest paid actor in that movie. Who, by the way, is a dick and hasn't gotten a job since because of it. But that's besides the point. Um, and basically was like, yeah, here, here, here's everything that happened and why the studio took control away from me. Oh, wow. And he was really honest about it. He's like, yeah, I'm making indie movies now because I need to get my credibility back because no studio is going to hire me. That's crazy. Yep. Oh, and the Russos are doing another movie in the MCU even though they said they were done. What could it be? Speculate away. You want my Spec guess? You want my guess? Yes. Wolverine. You really? Really. They're, re they're, they're really good with out-of-time characters and action sequences. Case in point, next week's movie, The Winter Soldier. Ah! <laughs> boom! That's what I call a transition. Anything you want to add? No, I can't oh, wait for Winter Soldier because I, I love Winter Soldier. I can't wait for next week's movie. It's one of my favorite MC movies. And we'll talk about why it works and why it's our favorites. Um, if you guys want to join the conversation, he is on Twitter at GoSox underscore. I am on Twitter at RyRyJones. Uh, we'll see you all next week on our MCU Rewatch. Winter Soldier, be there. Stay safe, everybody. Yes, please stay safe.